Welcome. I'm Eric Fleming, host of A Moment with Eric Fleming, the podcast of our time. I want to personally thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you're hearing, then I need you to do a few things. First, I need subscribers. I'm on Patreon at patreon.com slash a moment with Eric Fleming. Your subscription allows an independent podcaster like me the freedom to speak truth to power and to expand and improve the show. Second, leave a five-star review for the podcast on the streaming service you listen to it. That will help the podcast tremendously. Third, go to the website, momenteric.com. There you can subscribe to the podcast, leave reviews and comments, listen to past episodes, and even learn a little bit about your host. Lastly, don't keep this a secret like it's your own personal guilty pleasure. Tell someone else about the podcast. Encourage others to listen to the podcast and share the podcast on your social media platforms because it is time to make this moment a movement. Thanks in advance for supporting the podcast of our time. I hope you enjoy this episode as well. Hello, and welcome to another moment with Eric Fleming. I am your host, Eric Fleming. So, there's been a, a little controversy that has come up, and um, I think that in order to be fair or to really put it out there I've noticed that a lot of people have addressed this controversy and especially on different podcasts and all that but they haven't really put the evidence before us. They might have read something uh, or, you know, taken from other news articles. But I think people need the, the evidence itself presented to them. So if you don't know what I'm alluding to, there was a song called Try That in a Small Town. It was performed by this guy named Jason Aldean, and I'll get into him in a minute. It was, even though he's a singer-songwriter, country music singer-songwriter, uh, he didn't write this song, uh, a couple of Grammy Award winning songwriters along with a member of his band and somebody else put this song together. This song has been out since May of this year. But everything took a turn because they released the video last week. So for those people on either side who have been either defending or criticizing it, 
nobody has played the song. So since I know that y'all are sophisticated people and you can kind of make up your own minds, I'm going to play the song. Um, and I'm sure that if you are triggered by that, you tune out, okay. But I think in order to really get into what I'm going to talk about and what, what I, how I feel about it, I think it's fair to play the song. So that's what I'm going to do. So here is Try That in a Small Town by Jason Aldean. So for technical and legal reasons, I know I said I was going to play the song, but I can't. So um, I'm going to read the lyrics real quick. And then you'll get back to the audio that was recorded as if the song played. Sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk, carjack an old lady at a red light, pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. You think it's cool. Well, act a fool if you like. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face, stomp on the flag and light it up. Yeah, you think you're tough. Well, try that in a small town. See how far you make it down the road. Around here, we take care of our own. You cross that line, it won't take long for you to find out. I could recommend you don't. Try that in a small town. Got a gun that my granddad gave me. They say one day they're going to round up. Well, that shit may fly in the city. Good luck. Try that in a small town. See how far you make it down the road. Around here, we take care of our own. You cross that line. It won't take long for you to find out. I recommend you don't. Try that in a small town. Full of good old boys, raised up right. If you're looking for a fight, Try that in a small town. Try that in a small town. See how far you make it down the road. Around here, we take care of our own. Cross that line. It won't take long for you to find out. I recommend you don't try that in a small town. All right, so that was the song, right? Try that in a small town. Let me talk about this guy, Jason Aldean. I'm, I'm, I've listened to some country music, right? But I'm not a connoisseur of it. Uh, when you grow up with black folks, whether it's in a big city like Chicago or down south, 
people are going to, people in your family will have some country songs that they like. And I remember I'm of a generation where Hee Haw was on TV on a regular basis. And Hee Haw was basically uh, a television version of the Grand Ole Opry radio show. Right, um, where you had the comedy and the music and all that kind of stuff condensed to a uh, half hour, hour show. I can't remember how long it was, but so that was my exposure to country music. Now, first time I ever heard of this guy was being an Uber driver here in Atlanta. And I had to go up north. I don't think I was in Sandy Springs. I was in the north part of Atlanta. Um, and I had to pick up a young lady. And she was going to a Jason Aldean concert. This concert was at Truist Park, which is basically the baseball stadium where the Atlanta Braves play. And upon arriving to drop her off, I literally didn't even get into the turn to get close to the stadium where she said, just let me off because there's too many people. It was literally like cars and people just... And if you're familiar with Atlanta and you know where Brave Stadium is, you know it's in this area of Cobb County, which I think is either Smyrna or Marietta. I don't know where that boundary is, but it's in Cobb County. And it's on the this area called the Battery, which leads to the park. And it was the Battery is like restaurants and stores, and it's actually a residential community by the park and movie theater, all that. And so just literally thousands of people, it's it sold out. Uh, this guy, he's like, he's not 50 yet. He's, he's like 46 and he's local. He's from Macon, Georgia, which is even more the appeal in Atlanta for country music fans. Um, but he lives in Nashville now. Where most country singers live, right? So I had never heard his music. I just heard of him via vicariously taking a person to the concert. Uh, his actual name is Jason Aldine Williams. And he shortened it and played with the middle name. So it's just Jason Aldean. Uh, the way he spells Aldean is not the way it's on this birth certificate. Nonetheless, um, I guess he just didn't want to be another Williams in country music, right? So he basically goes by his first and middle name. Uh, 
He's been married twice, divorced once. His current wife was basically the mistress in the first marriage where he, I say mistress, he had an affair with the lady that's currently his wife while he was married to his first wife, right? But, you know, they got married. And his, you know, thank TMC for that. That's not my issue with him. You know? Uh, But I don't really have a whole lot of high expectations when dealing with country singers especially white male country singers because if you know anything about country music I always used to call it the white man's blues or the poor white man's blues right you know the blues are a music genre that black people created to either make light or express their hardship that they were dealing with, whether it was racism or just something simple as a broken heart. And so country music was always the white version of that to me because it was, well, not the racism part, but as far as like the broken heart and losing the job or, or even divorce, right? And so I don't, you know, when you, when you, you have a certain image of country music performers and singers and all that, especially now, because it used to be when I was growing up, you had these guys that they wear like these rhinestone jackets and, you know, a lot of with the tassels and all that kind of stuff you know to draw attention now it's just strictly cowboy hats cowboy boots whatever you know just basically how you would stereotype somebody that's how they appear well dean is even more special in that is that one of the things he likes to wear are shirts that have the Confederate flag on them. He used to sell them on his website, right? I don't know if he still does. I didn't look at his website to see, but he did at one time. Definitely at the concerts, right? So, again, not a whole lot of high expectations or hopes that their political agenda or their lens of America would be similar to mine. Nonetheless, when you decide in 2023, whether you wrote the song or not, to record a song that would invoke 
the kind of response that he has gotten, even to the point where country music television, CMT, as they now call themselves, felt that they had to pull the video from its rotation. Right? This is not the first kind of song that's been on the country charts and all that stuff. And of course, because of the controversy, white folks support their own. So now it's the number one country song in the nation. Ironically, the number two country song is performed, I think it's the song's last night. It's performed by this guy named Morgan Wallet. Morgan was the country singer who was caught on videotape using the N-word, right? A year or so ago. He seems to have bounced back from that. So he's number two. The guy to use the N-word is number two. So naturally, a song that talks about taking out black folks, they show up in a small town, or if they don't leave by sundown, right, would be number one. It makes sense. Now, people might think that's unfair. So be it. But I think it's it's tone deaf for the people to write this song. It's tone deaf for him to perform this song in this time, not unless that's what you intended to do. Now, he is claiming, and let me see if I can find his statement. He is claiming that that was not his intention. He was not meaning to send a dog whistle, right? He wasn't there to support white nationalist vigilantism, right? He wasn't trying to encourage lynchings or bring back memories of sundown towns. Now, for those of you who, and I've used that term twice, some of y'all may not know what that means. Most of people of my generation should know, but they may not know because if you haven't been in the South or you didn't spend a lot of time in the South, then you don't know the legend of sundown towns. So basically, a sundown town was this. This was a town that if you were a black person, you could go to that town. You could shop there, do your business whatever, or work even, right? But before the sun went down, you had to leave. And if you were caught, God have mercy on your soul. That's how serious that was, right? A town that I represented in the state legislature was a sundown town, Clinton, Mississippi, at one point. And especially a particular stretch just north of what they call downtown Clinton on Northside Drive, right? Even though the origins of the black community in Clinton started just offside Northside Drive because of this special school uh, that this white lady started, I 
I can't remember her name now. I want to say Sadie Hawkins or something like that. That may not be her name. But uh, it was a school started there for for black children. And so that black community kind of evolved from that. But most of the black folks lived outside of the city limits of Clinton. And so, you know, when it became nighttime, black folks were not supposed to be out and about. And Clinton was not the only one, not only in Mississippi, but in the South. It was all over the place, right? That was part of the reason why you needed a green book to travel. So not only would you know restaurants and hotels and gas stations that were friendly to black travelers, but you also knew which cities that you couldn't travel through at night, right? So when we say sundown town, that's, that's the term we're using. And uh, I'm trying to find this guy's statement, what he said. Um, because even his response to the controversy was tone deaf. It didn't even sound like he was talking about the same song, right? A lot of people have quoted it and, and said all that, and I thought I I had it right at my disposal. But... Um, You know, it just, it's just amazing to me. And here's the other thing about this guy, right? Before I get off into that. So in October of 2017, as a matter of fact, October the 1st, 2017, a 64-year-old guy named Stephen Paddock open fire on a crowd attending the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival on the Las Vegas Strip. This was the guy that was in the Mandalay Bay, literally on like the 32nd floor and was just shooting at people attending that concert, that music festival, and killed 60, which is considered a wounded over 400 people. Was is considered the deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history, and uh, of course, the guy killed himself. But and that was based off of gambling debt. So, the interesting thing about about that, and why I'm bringing that up is because the shooting occurred between 10.05 p.m. and 10.15 p.m. The closing act basically was performing at that time. Jason Aldean was the closing act. 
He was literally on stage when a thousand rounds of bullets started firing at the crowd. So needless to say that he was shaken by that. Very, he was very fortunate he wasn't wounded. But even he said, we got to do better about these guns, right? And we got to start learning how to coexist better with each other. Because he had no idea what the motive was the guy. He just was shocked that he witnessed at a concert he was performing people getting murdered. And that, that would seem to be a natural reaction for people. So nobody was critical of him for what he had to say because he was an eyewitness to one of the deadliest mass shootings in U.S. history. No correction. The deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history. He was a witness. So that's why, fast forward, literally six years later, right? Or almost six years. He's doing a song which he's reminiscing and reminding the world that his granddaddy gave him a gun. And basically implying that he knows how to use it. What's happened in your life within the last six years that made you go from a witness of one of the of the of excuse me of the deadliest mass shooting in the United States. Let's not even talk about the racial component just yet. But you witnessed the deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history. And now, six years later, you're singing a song promoting not only gun ownership, but vigilante use of the gun. Right? How bizarre is that? What has happened in your life? Did the George Floyd reaction, the, the, the reaction to his murder, make you realize, well, you know, I was kind of shocked by watching people get murdered, 60 people get murdered in front of me, but to see black folks react to somebody they got, they witnessed getting murdered in nine minutes, you know, maybe, maybe I need to revisit this gun thing. What, what, what was it? What was it that triggered you 
to decide, well, hey, I think everything's okay now. Never mind the fact that mass shootings have continued since 2017. And I think we're up to over 400 or so mass shootings in 2023 alone already. We're just halfway through. That's see where I'm see where I'm going. People are talking about, well, he didn't understand the context of what he was uh doing. He didn't understand the context of uh what he was saying in the song as far as the racial overtones and all that. Um, seems like he doesn't maintain context on a lot of things. I'm sorry. If I witnessed the deadliest mass shooting, I could have been one of those people shot because I was performing on the stage. And I see as security is taking me away, people getting shot. I hear ammunition being fired. I hear people screaming. I'm running just like other people are running. The last song I would ever do in life would be about a gun, period. Especially a song I did not write. If a songwriter presented that song to me, I'd say, give that to someone else. Let them deal with that. Obviously, you've forgotten what I've been through. That's what a normal person would do. Yeah, I said that. That's what a normal person would do once they have seen something that traumatic. The last thing they would ever do is exalt the usage of the very weapon that gave me trauma. And I guess that's kind of the difference between us and them. Right? You know, some people, I think, I think to an extent, some people who push this white nationalist agenda push through trauma to justify what's unjustifiable. And if you study history, I mean, just don't take my word for it. Just look at history. Look at especially during the Civil War, to study the leaders, the people of that. Study the presidents that were slaveholders. The trauma, the conflict, all this stuff that they had to deal with, right, mentally. 
but they pushed through to continue to do what they had to do. Right. To, to, to continue the institution as it was set up. Just to make it plain, to continue the racism to function as it should go. Right? That's, that's, to me, as a white nationalist, a Klan member, a racist, pushing through trauma because the agenda is bigger than the individual. I'm just saying. There are some people that I would want to give the benefit of the doubt to. And a lot of times I try to do that to be fair because we're all human. But there's some people I... I can't. And this guy, Jason Aldean, is, I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Because if you could make a flip from seeing people being murdered to then turn around and sing a song about murdering people because they tried it in a small town, I, I I can't give you the benefit of that. You you made that deliberate choice. It wasn't like literally you were forced to sing that song. This was of your own free will. And then you double down on the song with the video. The record company didn't force you to do any of that. You chose to perform that song. You chose to record it. You chose to do a video for it. So all these people who are really trying to be fair to this guy, I appreciate y'all trying to be fair. I appreciate you trying to hold him to a human standard like everybody else, but I'm not going to do that. And it doesn't matter whether his fans like me or not. Doesn't matter. Whatever. Just like he felt that he could say that or sing that in a song, I have the right to say how I feel about it. And what I believe and what I don't believe and I do not believe that this guy was totally innocent and ignorant of the impact of what he was saying. I think it was deliberate. I think he meant to do that because in his mind, he had to push through the personal trauma he went through to carry out the agenda. And there's too many examples in history and in the United States of America that prove me right as opposed to giving him the benefit of the doubt so needless to say I'm I'm not finished but I'm going to tell you a story 
which is really too familiar to us. And maybe it's not familiar to him, but it's even more recent than the Las Vegas shooting. It's definitely more recent than the incidents that took place at the courthouse where you recorded the video at. And we'll address that too. But the reason why I'm going to tell this story is to make the case of why for his own folks benefit, not black folks benefit, his people, why he shouldn't have made that song. And I catch y'all on the other side. And so we are back. Now, let me just say this before I get into the story. And I feel it's kind of a PSA, but unlike most PSAs, the people I'm directing it to are going to ignore it. But it's really kind of a incredible pet peeve of mine. And it's nothing I can do about it other than just deal with it or express my opinion about it. But I really wish that certain black folks had an ability to read the room. And when I say certain black folks, I mean these people who I call TikTok conservatives, right? Or social media conservatives. And that's just a polite term to use because I'm trying to be polite to black people. Now, there are other black people that's going to call you anything but a child of God. But the term I will use is TikTok or social media conservatives. Here's the thing. When white folks do something wrong, they don't need black folks to defend them. They need to man up and address the issues themselves. They don't need a black spokesperson. Not less they paid that black person to be it. So all you folks saying, oh no, he didn't do nothing wrong and all that. I don't I don't need that. And you don't need to convince me that he didn't mean that because that's a waste of my time. Cause I'm convinced he meant that. I'm convinced that he meant it from the day that I saw that he was selling Confederate t-shirts. <laughs> I believe he meant it because 
if you could see 60 people getting murdered and still talk about with pride how your granddaddy gave you a gun and you and your good old boy friends know how to use them? You can't convince me that he didn't mean that. Or be more specific, mean what I think he meant. Letting out the dog whistle out loud, really loud. To a beat of music, even. I don't need y'all to do that. And y'all need to get out of the habit of doing that. If you want to defend statements that you made on TikTok or you made on other social media platforms, that's fine because you made those statements. So you know what was on your mind. And if you want to get in debates with other people about what you said, great. But you really shouldn't defend other people, especially these white folk. Need to stop that. That doesn't help you or your cause. Because there are some of you, I pay attention. I'm not trying to create a stitch or whatever you call it, attach my opinion to your video or whatever, to my followers, all that. I have a podcast to do all that, really. That's why I have the podcast, so I don't have to do all that stuff. The reason I don't stitch is because I want to listen. Instead of just the one video that gets people upset, let me see how you got to this point. Just like I'm making my case with Mr. Aldine. And some of you have either not really experienced racism as somebody like me or other black people, or your heart is really in the right place. And normally it's acceptable to have a different perspective or suggest a different strategy to get to that better place. But you don't have all the information. See, there are some people like Thomas Sowell and Oh, I can forget the other brother's name. Um, I want to say Williams or, you know, those people are folks who have done research, who have read and, you know, more than just their side of the argument, Right. And they have lived a full black experience. And so in their minds, they think that a conservative approach is better than a liberal approach. And and they're respected as intellectuals. So when you cut yourself from that cloth and you make arguments like they make them, they don't defend white people. They defend their ideas. That's the difference. They say black people should achieve using this conservative philosophy. 
They don't apologize for white folk. Not these people. So I really want you all, and you are young enough to make the adjustments, <laughs> to get out of the habit of feeling that you have to apologize for these people. If you agree with their viewpoint, agree with it. But don't tell me what he thought because you're totally wrong, in my opinion, one. Two, um, that's not your place. He said it. He sang the song. He should respond. This was his response. I found it. I was trying to look for it. He said these references are not only meritless, but dangerous. There is not a single lyric in the song that references race or points to it. And there isn't a single clip that isn't real news footage referring to the video. Turns out it was stock footage from protests all over the world, not just BLM stuff. And while I can try and respect others to have their own interpretation of a song with music, this one goes too far. Try that in a small town for me refers to the feeling of a community that I had growing up where we took care of our neighbors, regardless of differences of background or belief. Because they were our neighbors, that was above any differences. My political views have never been something I've hidden from and I know a lot of us in this country don't agree on how we get back to a sense of normal normalcy where we go at least one day without a headline that keeps us up at night. But the desire for it too, but the desire for it too, that's what this song is about. So, I don't know if he wrote that maybe his publicist or whatever. Um, but my response to that is nice try. Right? So see, he's capable <laughs> of responding himself. He doesn't need black people to do it for him. Right? If you agree with him, you agree with him. But don't apologize for him. Don't don't do it. You know, what would have been more acceptable, even though I would disagree with you on it, would be you doubling down on what he said instead of trying to tell me I didn't hear what I heard. Did I make that plain? Yeah. Don't tell me what I heard. Don't redefine my interpretation because I understood where he's coming from because he's not the first person to do it. And you haven't, y'all young folks ain't lived long enough maybe to delineate that. I don't know. But all of us old heads, we didn't heard this before. You know what I'm saying? We We know. And, you know, we were allowed to study history. 
and y'all seem to be old enough where they were still teaching history. But this is the reason why it's important to teach history because when you're able to get the whole story, then you'll see that history does repeat itself a lot. And the messaging repeats itself a lot, good or bad. This is bad. All right. So I, I had to get off that off my chest because I don't hate y'all. There are some people that hate y'all. There are some people that hate me. You have to deal with your life as far as hating people like that. I don't hate y'all. I disagree with y'all, but I don't hate y'all. And me admonishing you is not even being cynical, right? As some people would do it. I'm I'm being straight up with you. We need to get out of the habit of apologizing for other folks. Let them be accountable for what they did. And we be accountable for what we do and what we say and how we act. That's all you really is are expected to do. So don't waste your energy doing that. Focus on you. When you put out your videos and you have your messages and people clap back at you and you respond to them, that's all you're obligated to do. I mean, if you want to defend a political policy or a philosophy, great. But when these folks do this kind of stuff, let them squirm. Don't jump in the uncomfortable zone with them. Okay? That's all I'm saying. Anyway, I promise you a story to tell. So the reason why I'm going to tell this story and I'm going to tell it the way that I'm reading it in Wikipedia because I want the Jason Aldeans of the world and the people who helped write the song. Uh, yeah, those four individuals who wrote it. I want you to understand, and this is something that just recently happened, right? Because the mindset that you put out here with that song creates the story that I'm about to tell. There's a responsibility with this stuff. You know? I mean, when we all get out here and talk about stuff, you know, people react to it. We had a president of the United States tell people to storm the Capitol building, and they did. Some responsibility in that. Right? Now, He's got to explain to a judge whether he meant that figuratively or literally. But he said it and they did it. 
So there's consequences, right? This story took place a year before that. Just a year. So the insurrection was in January 2021. This happened in 2020. On February 23, 2020, Ahmaud Aubrey, a 25-year-old black man, was murdered during a racially motivated hate crime while jogging in Satilla Shores, a neighborhood near Brunswick in Glen County, Georgia. Erroneously assuming he was a burglar, three white men pursued Aubrey in their trucks for several minutes using the vehicles to block his path as he tried to run away. Two of the men, Travis McMichael and his father, George McMichael, were armed in one vehicle. Their neighbor, William Roddy Bryant, was in another vehicle. After overtaking Aubrey, Travis McMichael exited his truck, pointing his weapon at Aubrey. Aubrey approached McMichael, and a physical altercation ensued, resulting in Aubrey being fatally shot by by Matt Michael. Brian recorded this confrontation and Aubrey's murder on his cell phone. Now, y'all remember that? Y'all remember Ahmad jogging? And these folks said that there was a house Right, that was under construction. And supposedly they had seen video of Ahmad walking through a house, you know, checking it out or whatever. That wasn't even completed. Right? So but they think he was gonna steal something. I don't know, is he gonna steal construction materials? I mean what what, what was he trying to steal, right? So they decided they were going to have this little neighborhood watch because try this in a small town, right? So in their little small town of Satilla Shores or Brunswick, however you want to define the area, they, yeah, they were going to show because, you know, they had guns and they were good old boys. So they were going to teach this black man who they thought was doing big city stuff like stealing a lesson. Right? So when you sing a song that encourages people to do certain things, right? then that is the result of that. You understand? That is what happens. See, they put in their mind, you say in the song, you cross that line, it won't take long for you to find out. Right? That Let's see, got a gun that my granddad gave me. That 
that might fly in the city. Good luck. Right? All of what you are conveying in that song is what these folks, the McMichaels and Mr. Bryant, were thinking. So three years before this song came out, these folks were already thinking those thoughts. Three years after this incident took place, you decide to write a song to encourage more people to do what these folks did. You see why I'm not giving them the benefit of doubt? Now, you can make an argument that when they shot the video in front of this courthouse in Tennessee, which from everybody that's in the industry is saying that, well, yeah, we shoot a lot of videos in this particular town, right? Columbia, Tennessee, I guess. The the problem, you know, was that that courthouse and especially the location and the way you shot it, you got an American flag hanging where literally a young 18-year-old black man was in 1927 for a crime he didn't commit. Right? So, based on something happened to a young white girl. Even the girl's mama was trying to convince these white folk, don't lynch this black kid because he may not have been the one because the daughter couldn't even, at least she wasn't like Carolyn Bryan and lied. She said she couldn't identify him and Henry Choke. Couldn't identify him. So, you know, may not have been him. The closest thing they had to DNA was, and how they got his scent, I don't know, but they just sent bloodhounds. The bloodhounds went to the Choke's house. Well, actually, Mr. Old Man Harlan's house. Uh, Henry's granddaddy. Who, by the way, Harlan was the last name of the white girl, too. Now, quick to say they weren't related, but considering the history of slavery, probably you were, distantly. Nonetheless. The mother of this Harlan girl, this Sarah Harlan, I think her name was, was pleading for these folks. But the, the sad thing was, while she was trying to convince the mob not to hang the young man, he was already dead. They had killed him in the jail before they took him out. And if he wasn't dead at the jail, he was dead on the way because they dragged his body from the jailhouse to the courthouse in the back of a car. just like Brother Bird in Texas, another small town. All he did was hitchhike, and he got in the wrong car, right? Wrong truck. 
all Ahmaud Aubrey was doing was jogging. So hitchhiking in a small town, jogging in a small town. That's what triggers these kind of actions that you, Mr. Aldean, sing about. All right? But let me tell you the reason why it's not a good idea. Never mind the fact that killing anybody is a bad idea, right? Just because they're black. Or you don't agree with their politics. Because Mr. Aldine, for all due respect, is burning the flag thing, this Colin Kaepernick kneeling, I guess that triggered you too. I really wish that y'all would read a book, a real book, not something by Fox News, not something by an internet troll like a Charlie Kirk, who I'm calling my name because, of course, he probably loved it, right? And then the guy, the Indian guy running for president, Vivek, I think his name is. And I'm being disrespectful to him because he's a very disrespectful individual. He's disrespectful even to the fact that he thinks he's qualified to run for president. And my thing is, we already have somebody of Indian descent running that is going to lie. We don't need two. That's one. Uh, number two, you got Don Lemon fired, or you you're 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 bragging that you got Don Lemon fired, which whether you actually did or not, we don't like you <laughs> because of that, you know. And of course, this guy to to show why we don't like you, you're using this song on your campaign stops. So you're for people acting like the McMichaels. You you are endorsing the activities of the lynch mobs of the early 20th century and the late 19th century. Because when you use that song as your entrance to come to a rally to say, I want to be president of the United States, that sounds like that. that's your agenda. I'll do more than get black folks fired. I'll eliminate them altogether. Let them try that in our, our small town. I already know. That's, that's, that's your campaign, bro. And then Charlie Kirk wants to insult black women who actually went to college. Well, let's not talk about the fact that they all managed to get Ivy League education, either in graduate or undergraduate or both. But dude, you couldn't even finish community college. Stop. We can try to put a nice spin on it and say, well, you know, you dropped out. Most people's their spin is, well, I had to get out because I couldn't take it or I couldn't handle the pressure or my parents were sick or you know, I couldn't afford it. Dude, you just dropped out. 
He just dropped out. So whatever spot that you claim that these women took from a white person, it wasn't yours. It wasn't your spot. But you do you. Keep trying to convince young people to be part of the white nationalist movement. And Vivek, you just keep doing what you do and get your 1% of the vote. You know, we're going to keep moving forward because that's the only way we're going to beat these people is that we got to expose them and we just got to go through them. We just got to just keep moving forward. That's it. Keep our voices raised. Oh, by the way, that same courthouse, right? Morgan County. Y'all ever heard of this guy named Thugger Marshall? He almost got killed because he was defending black people in that town. That whole 1946 race riot they talk about. They were going after Thurgood because he was trying to defend these black folks, right? Now, the first incident why these black folks needed a lawyer was because the white folks were, let me see. I, let me, I, I can't, I, I, I just read that. Anyway, there was some tension between the black community and the white community, right? So the white folks decided they were going to send the police in the black neighborhood to get them straight. The black folks said, y'all don't need to come over here. Everything's fine. They came anyway. So black folks, because it was the police and they had guns, the black folks defended themselves. Then the other white folks showed up and the state troopers and everybody else and they arrested like a hundred black folks and Thurgood Marshall had to be called in because they were killing the people in the jail talking about these folks were trying to reach for their guns so they had already killed two of the hundred people before they went to trial right anyway same courthouse that you Mr. Alding did the background for uses in the video. And of course, the video production team was like, well, that wasn't his idea. That was our idea. So y'all are stupid or y'all didn't know or y'all didn't care or yeah, this would be the perfect spot to send the message for this song. It's one of those. It's not this blanket statement. Well, we just kind of pick spots. No, no. Yo, you have a brain. Y'all either did this deliberately out of ignorance or you did this deliberately with knowledge. But it was a deliberate action to pick that court out. I'm going to bank on the fact that you knew that this courthouse, because you could have picked anyone. I mean, Nashville's got a courthouse. Nashville has a Capitol building. <laughs> right? You could have done it at the state capitol. but you chose that particular courthouse because convenience? No, I doubt it. You wanted to send a message. Anyway, 
Let me tell y'all what that's going to lead y'all to. On June 24th, 2020, a grand jury indicted each of the three men on charges of malice murder, felony murder, and other crimes. Their trial began in November 2021 in the Glynn County Superior Court. All three were convicted on November 24th of felony murder, aggravated assault, false imprisonment, and criminal attempt to commit false imprisonment. Travis McMichael was further convicted of malice murder. On January 7th, 2022, the McMichaels were sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole plus 20 years. So basically, if they died and came back, they still got to give the state of Georgia 20 more years. While Bryant was sentenced to life imprisonment with the possibility of parole after 30 years. Further, on February 22nd, 2022, the three men were found guilty in a federal court of attempted kidnapping and the hate crime of interference with rights. While the McMichaels were also convicted of one count of using firearms during a crime of violence. So, bottom line. Y'all can get frisky and use this as an anthem for this white nationalist mindset. And you can talk all this trash about trying in a small town. There's three white guys that'll tell you it's not worth it. Of course, you have to go to the state prison and visit them because that's where they are. And they're going to be in there for the rest of their life. Now, if you want to go to jail, but if you don't want to go to jail, don't try that in your small town. Don't try it in a big town. Don't try it in a hamlet. Don't try it in a village. Don't try it anywhere. Leave us alone. Stop trying to deal with us as a problem and deal with us as human beings. Stop trying to amp yourself up and your self-worth and this incredibly ridiculous idea of being replaced. Stop that. And just focus in on building a community, right? Because in a real small town, a community will see a young black man stopped by a police officer. And as they watch the police officer getting ready to commit a civil rights violation, they yell at the officer, write him the ticket and leave him alone. And then when the police officer feels Okay, I'm going to send a message. He calls for backup. Those people call their neighbors. And so by the time additional squad cars show up, the whole neighborhood is basically telling them to leave that young man alone. Right? 
And in that community, the first two people who responded were a white man and a white woman trying to protect a black man from a white cop who was about to violate that black man's rights. And they called their neighbors, who happened to also be black and white, to stand up against these cops. And guess what happened? The young man didn't get a ticket. He drove away, and so did the cops. And as the cops were leaving, the community celebrated by clapping hands and shouting. That's what happens in a real small town in America. People look out for each other. People protect each other. People stand up for each other. They don't go around grabbing guns and claiming that they're good old boys. Because when they do, in the 21st century, they're going to jail for life. So if you want to follow Mr. Aldean's advice, who should be terrified of encouraging anybody to do anything violent, considering the carnage he personally witnessed himself from the most unique vantage point any person could ever have. If you want to follow his advice and the words of this song, okay. But you won't be in that small town long. You'll be in a jail cell for a long time. People, we, we've got to get back to respect, decorum, and honesty. And when you have politicians who embrace somebody who's the total opposite of all of that and tries to make it seem like everybody else is crazy, that's a problem. But that's a problem we can address election after election, however many elections it'll take for that message to be sent. If you don't want to try, here's something that you shouldn't try in a small town and I'll go. Don't try to be a totalitarian government over a small town. Don't try to be an authoritarian government over a small town. Don't try to be a racist, racist government in a small town. Right? Let's let's try not to do those things. And then, and maybe then, the America that we've always been pushing for will finally come to fruition. Until next time.